He's a native Texan, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is The Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on a beautiful morning in the Hill Country in the middle, towards the end of January. And uh, it's going to be in the upper 60s today. you got to love it. It's gorgeous. So, you know, these are the days you can uh, pull off some of those, uh, I don't know, you can call it spring cleaning or whatever, where... uh, where you uh, where it's not too hot and not too cold and we get one of those in the middle of January isn't that awesome? Um, so yeah, I checked my rain gauge this morning and um, I think uh, I didn't even get a full inch over uh, this last uh, series of sto- of rains. I hope that uh, many of you out there, I hope you got more than that. And uh, so, but I'm, we're going to be grateful for everything we've got. Got some things on your calendar. We've got a great. A phone call coming in. Um, all of you uh, ham radio enthusiasts or people who might think about getting involved in ham radios. I know a lot of people over the last year, couple of years, have been buying some handheld, uh, those 8-watt handhelds to, uh, uh, handheld hams to uh, create a local network here in the Hill Country, and I believe that is still going on. And uh, but we have uh, Mr. Hank Ortega is going to be calling in, and this uh, weekend is a big deal for ham radio operators, and so we're going to have Hank Ortega calling in here in a little bit about that. And um, well, I've got several uh, stories for you. It is day three of the Shelby Park standoff. I need some dramatic music for that. Day three of the Shelby Park standoff. Dun dun Um. So. We have some things for your calendar before we get to all the excitement there. And that is on Friday. <coughs> Friday, that would be tomorrow, the 26th. Moms for Liberty is uh, having uh, their meeting uh, with Ag Commissioner Sid Miller. If you want more information on that, you need to open up your Fredericksburg Tea Party newsletter or open up your Moms for Liberty newsletter if you have signed up for that. And it'll have all the information in there for you. That is tomorrow night. And um, then uh, also tomorrow night in Kerrville uh, at Faith Christian Church, uh, the Kerr County Patriots are going to be presenting the movie Noncompliant 2, The Sheriff. Uh, this is, uh, well, it's got that number two in there. And there was one before that, Noncompliant. Um, but this is a, uh, about, I believe it's about an hour-long video that is put together by Chris Ann Hall And uh, she gave us a good preview of it a couple of weeks ago uh, during the Fredericksburg uh, Tea Party uh, monthly meeting. And so this is, um, if you're in Kerrville, Friday night they would uh, accept a donation, but there is no charge to go see Noncompliant 2 at Faith Christian Church. I don't have a time on here. I'm embarrassed that it's somehow, let's see if I can go back. To my notes before non-compliant. Let's see. There's Thursday. There's Wednesday. Non-compliant. Uh, here we go. I got 6 p.m. If I go all the way back a few days ago to my uh, crib sheet, 
Um, and uh, so 6 o'clock Friday. If that's wrong, I'll let you know tomorrow or someone will let me know during the meeting. Uh, Sunday from noon to 4, do you want to help uh, Kyle Biederman? Do you want to help Kyle Biederman? Uh, there is Sunday from noon to 4. Or if you have questions for Kyle or if you don't know anything about Kyle, if you just moved here. And we've got a lot of people who moved here during Ellen Troxclair's reign, which has been real short. And, man, they just think Ellen Troxclair hung the moon. They just do. They just think Ellen Troxclair hung the moon, and that's even Republicans, people I know, who whose memory is so short, they forget that for six years we had an amazing, an amazing conservative fighter in uh, Austin for our district by the name of Kyle Biederman. And then we've got this wishy-washy uh, Troxclair who uh, goes around telling everybody that, uh, oh, yeah, she, and I've got uh, audio of this. She said she was in the top ten of every conservative um, scorecard. <laughs> she, I've got her a recording of her spouting that complete and total 100% lie. Well, it's either a lie or there's a bunch of lists a bunch of conservative, um, a bunch of conservative scorecards that I'm not familiar with, folks. I've been doing this since eh, 2012, 2013. I I know all the conservative lists, all the conservative scorecards. She's not on any of them. She's not on any of them. So. But as long as she tells you that, she goes to meet you and you shake her hand and she's such a nice lady and maybe she has one of her children with her and you go, oh, man, she's such a nice lady and as one of our uh, uh, Fredericksburg uh, uh, Republicans said, she's an honorable woman. So anyway, don't get me started on that. Um, then also first Saturday prayer on the 3rd of of, of of February, and we will talk to that. By the way, the fundraiser from on noon, on Sunday from noon to 4, is at the Edge Resort, out at the Edge. Now, that is just east of uh, Fredericksburg on uh, 290. It's where all those tiny homes, those beautiful uh, uh, landscaped tiny homes are. That is the Edge Resort, and that's where you can meet Kyle Biederman at noon to 4. And I believe they're suggesting a $25 donation. Uh, beer and barbecue comes with that. But wine, you're going to be, you have to BYOW, buy your own wine. Give you some words of wisdom from Ben Franklin. And then we're going to take a short break. And uh, Mr. Ortega has already lit up the, the um, phone lines. So uh, Ben Franklin says, and this is from 1837, he said, Well done is better than well said. Amen. Well done is better than well said. I can talk here all day if you wanted me to, um, but going out and doing something is much better than saying something. So we're going to take a short break. Uh, Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back with Hank Ortega and the local, uh, the Hill Country Amateur Radio Club. He owns the largest collection of do-rags in Gillespie County. He's Matt Long. Born to be The Hill Country Patriot. (laughs) 
All right. We are back. Thank you so much for sticking around. And uh, I want to invite right away uh, from the Hill Country. Oh, whoop, 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 whoop. I just lost my page. From the Hill Country Amateur Radio Club. Uh, they meet monthly. Um, and uh, we've got Mr. Hank Ortega on the line with us. Welcome, Mr. Ortega, to the Matt Long Show. Thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate you having me on the air. So um, the um, you, you, I appreciate you coming on uh, because I know that you're preparing for a weekend of 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 intensive work. You do this twice a year, and so I know I know how much work it takes in the last few days before something like this happens. So let's start with your field day, and then we'll get back to your club. So tell us what's going on this Saturday and Sunday in uh, field day. Uh, with the Hill Country Amateur Radio Club. Terrific. I appreciate that. Uh, winter Field Day occurs uh, once a year, and Summer Field Day also during during uh, June, uh, in which ham radio operators from all over the world, um, in every country that can uh, have a certification as a ham operator, uh, attempt to make contacts long distance, locally, regionally, uh, under emergency conditions, and, and the practice is for emergency communications in the event of uh, bad weather, uh, emergencies like uh, uh, tornadoes and uh, other catastrophes, uh, as well as civil unrest, and uh, in these uncertain times, uh, that becomes communications becomes extremely important, and we we work under austere conditions. That's what the field day is is about. So some operators are operating by themselves out in the field using. Um, uh, alternative energies like uh, battery sources and solar power or generators or even running off the vehicle. Um, I, I can do that with my, my automobile and also have a system, in a solar-powered system in my RV. Um, the uh, uh, larger clubs like ourselves also operate what's called an emergency operations center, and so we work intensively for 24 hours manning the radios. We have several radios in there, and uh, there's operators there all night and all day the next day. Uh, during that period of time, we're making contacts all over the world and, and recording all of that, and all that data goes in to the uh, nationwide association here in the United States. Um, it's not a uh, government-sponsored uh, agency, although we work very closely with Red Cross, the, the local sheriff's departments in all the counties in, in the United States. Uh, we have an emergency operations uh, communication set up for their local volunteer fire departments uh, in order to connect them. Um, plus, if uh, cell phones go down due to solar uh, or overuse, such as we're expecting in the uh, upcoming solar eclipse, um, the ham radio station locally will be ready to start picking up passing messages through the uh, EMS and, and local law enforcement networks. You know, I appreciate you mentioning the uh, the emergency aspect for, of that because as I was growing up, as I was growing up, the uh, the ham radio operators they were hobbyists, and and I had a, an elderly gentleman that um, brought me under his wing, and I was trying so desperately to learn the learn Morse code, and um, and as a teenager, my uh, um, uh, interests uh, started going elsewhere, um, but it was seen as a hobby, and I really appreciate the fact that you're looking at it as a, 
as an alternative state, an alternative method of communication during emergencies. And uh, we realized in February of, what was it, 21, that uh, cell towers can go out. Um, and even the ability to charge your cell phone was gone. Um, during that outage, did the uh, Ham uh, Hill Country Amateur Radio Club, uh, w- w- what? how did y'all behave during that time, during that big power outage in February? Uh, you're talking about February of, of last year, a couple of years ago, when we had the big storms and all that? Yes, yes, sir, when all our power was out. Okay. So we have we have the ability to plug in at our building with a generator from outside, and uh, we've got a, a couple of our members have have large generators, 10 kW, and we can just plug right in and and continue to run. Um, there was people staffing there, plus all of us. Uh, most radios run on 12 volts, and you have a, a power converter that you can plug into the wall, so that when you have electricity, you run that way. But the second the power goes off, you just take your your clips and clip them to your battery. Uh, and you can use 12 volt batteries. That's that's what the, the radios run on. Um, you can either use um, uh, lithium batteries or standard wet cell batteries, uh, um, and just use those and then charge. You know, keep swapping them out of the car to charge them. Uh, or if you have a solar set, set up, and and I have solar panels and all of that uh, on my RV, so I can pull my RV over near the station and uh, utilize their antennas so that we have a further reach. There's lots of adaptability. And, and that's the key to it. The reason um, we have a two-fold role in the world is uh, uh, primarily for emergency communications and secondarily as hobbyists. The hobbyist part is all the tinkering, um, trying different setups and, and uh, seeing if I can make this work. Because from the very inception of, of radio communication, it's always been about experimentation. Um, can I make this work? Can I get further out if I have this kind of antenna? And if I have a bigger antenna, if I have an antenna that I can actually aim, uh, do I increase my propagation? Uh, how does the sunspots affect us? So that's only been in the last hundred years that we've really figured out that the sun has a great effect on communications. And if you noticed, uh, if you were on Verizon uh, in the last week, uh, the phones were really acting squirrely, and sometimes people didn't even have service. Uh, and that all had to do with the sunspot that, that cast a bunch of ions uh, our way, energized the uh, ionosphere, and people couldn't get out. Um, it happens that with ham radio, um, ionospheric excitation enhances our ability to reach further. We actually can uh, send the signal a lot further as a result of that. So uh, uh, as the saying is in our, in our field, uh, uh, when all else fails, we can usually get through. Okay, um, man, that is great, and and I appreciate the uh, it's a it's for emergency first and uh, and for uh, hobbyists second. I love that. Um, the tell us um, tell us about the amateur radio club. When you meet, where you meet, um, uh, what kind of things you do there, and are complete total amateurs who know nothing are they welcome and treated with respect? Well, the, um, let's start with that last first. Uh, uh, we encourage people who, who are just curious or who have been worried about how am I going to get a hold of Aunt Martha when everything goes down. Uh, and and I see so many people come to this come to the club with this uh, a small radio that they saw on the internet and they bought it and and actually can they don't realize that they can do absolutely almost nothing with it. Um, we we are able to take people who are rank amateurs. Uh, 
uh, or totally un unschooled at all and convert them into qualified uh, amateur radio licenses um, within weeks. Uh, we, we will help you pick out the right equipment. We'll, um, we'll show you how, how everything works. Now, our meetings are the first Thursday of the month. We meet at 6.30 um, when the doors open, and usually at 6.30 or 6 o'clock, somewhere in there, people start showing up and setting out stuff so that it's kind of a show and tell. And this very next meeting in February, um, we will be showing uh, keys. You mentioned Morse code. We'll be showing different forms of keys that everybody has. It's just a uh, uh, historical sort of thing. We won't be transmitting anything from there. And where we meet is the old Union Church where Water Street and Highway 27 come together. They come together in a V, and there's a white, old historical church uh, on, on the corner there, and that's the building we meet in. You'll see a lot of cars parked there. Just come in like you own the place, look for an officer or, or for myself, Hank, uh, KG5TKV, and uh, I'll introduce you around. I'll introduce you to the president. Uh, our president happens to be uh, a physician from Fredericksburg, um, and uh, our past president was a uh, gentleman from Bandera, so we're widely spread. We have members from all over, um, and we definitely, we definitely want new people. We want to introduce people. The average age of, of a ham radio operator is in his 60s, and that's not right. We, we have had children as young as 10 years old take the test and license, federally licensed as a general, which is the second step up, and nothing flat, just uh, weeks. If they can understand the test and take the test, uh, they can qualify. Um, we have, uh, we, we, our meetings usually have a, um, a subject uh, each meeting, and we discuss that a couple of weeks, a couple of months ahead uh, as to what we're going to discuss. We'll be talking about solar weather and how that affects the ionosphere, and we'll be talking about propagation. Uh, we'll be talking about antennas and, and how to build one at home uh, that you can hold in your hand and use to extend a, a small handheld radio's uh, reach. Um, we'll be talking about um, the Morse code, of course. It, uh, by the way, code is no longer required in the testing. You do not have to know Morse code. You just have to uh, get a smattering of electronics. And, and believe me, the, what the association called the ARRL, American Radio Relay League, um, really tries to help people get the license rather than try to fail you. Uh, they want you to license, and we want you to license, and we'll do everything we can to help you. And we provide testing, and we provide training right there at the at the uh, club. Last time I saw y'all at the um, out at the uh, preppers event, uh, the you gave me some paperwork and a website, probably the one you just mentioned. And I went home, and within a couple of days, I was working my way through that training and man i'm telling you they give you as you get your choices your questions your answers your choices if you get it wrong it'll tell you here's why you got this wrong now go back and look at this or that it was so very very helpful and it was it's a smart piece of learning um uh, software because the questions you get wrong, they keep coming back and asking that same question over and over. And I, I was looking at that going, all right, I, I, okay, I, I got this one. I know I got it wrong the first time. Um, so tell us a little bit more about uh, Saturday and Sunday. You said that um, in this letter I have that you're, you're going to be able to, uh, uh, the public will be able to come to the shack, I think, the club shack, 
and observe. Um, tell us about that and where that is, and then I have one more question for you after that. Sure, sure. Um, the public is invited to come to our ham radio facility. It's at 4,000 Riverside Drive, 4,000 Riverside Drive. That's the River Star Arts Park. Um, that's right next door to the Youth Ag Center. It looks like a big fairgrounds. Now, there's the Renaissance Fair is also occurring at the same time on the same grounds. So you'll have to park off-site, like at, at the Ag Center, and walk in through the corner gate in the back, and you'll see our little ham sign up there. You just make your way in. Tell them you're coming to the ham club. The, the people at the gates know that we're operating, and they know what we're doing, and, and uh, they'll just let you right in. Come into the front of the building. You look for the antennas, and you'll see the building. Um, come into the front of the building, going up the handicap ramp. And the reason for that is the king and queen of the Renaissance Fair uh, sit on the front porch of, the, of that building. So if we go up the up the handicap ramp, you, we won't interfere with them. And then, of course, if you've brought your family, you can uh, uh, go out to the rent fair afterwards. Uh, be sure to stop at the gate again and take care of the entry fee. Now, the um, entrance to the uh, building, you come inside, and we'll have some orientation uh, for the public, and that's between 2 and 5 p.m. on Saturday. January 27th, between 2 and 5, we'll have some orientation, and then we'll take you into the radio room, um, and we'll quietly watch uh, the operators. And if you if you get the itch and you want to try it, uh, we'll sit you right down next to the operator. You can put the headset on, the microphone to your mouth, and uh, start speaking over the air under guidance of a qualified ham operator, and uh, you'll make a contact with somewhere. You don't know where. Uh, until you start talking, but you could be talking to Europe, you could be talking to Asia, you could be talking to the South Pacific, um, you could be talking to Canada or Mexico or South America, uh, or you could be talking um, uh, somewhere in Texas or um, in California, New York, and you never know. Uh, it'll just depend on which which band you're working, and we have three radios that will be operating, so um, there's plenty of opportunity uh, we'll give you demonstrations on Morse code, and, and there's a couple of videos that you can watch. Uh, so there's lots of information available. Um, um, we'll have uh, handouts that we gave you at, at, the, at the prep fair, and we'll also have uh, membership uh, uh, applications as well. Okay, Hank, I said I had one more question. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to slip in two. Uh, one of them is real easy. Um, I was refer uh, thinking back to when I was a young teenager and uh, working with an elderly gentleman with his ham radio that, by the way, still had tubes in it. And uh, he was real proud of his postcard collection of people he'd talked to all over the world and had them up on the wall and framed and everything. And so I first question is, is that still going on? And the second question is, and here's where I'm going to embarrass myself, if someone has a ham radio at home and they, they can't make it down to Kerrville, could they turn on their ham radio to a certain frequency channel bandwidth or something this weekend and possibly hear what is going on at 4,000 Riverside Drive? So those last two questions. Um, yes, they can. Um, if, if they're a ham radio operator and want to tune in to us, they can just search around on all the bands. We're going to be on 2015. Uh, 10 meters, um, and we'll even have a, at 4 o'clock on Saturday, we'll have a 2-meter local network uh, uh, trying to reach 
by what's called simplex. We have a repeater in the community, but we're going to operate without the repeater to see if we can get in emergency communications locally as far uh, in the county as possible. We usually can reach Bandera, uh, Mountain Home, um, uh, Divide, uh, just fine uh, with, uh, with simplex. Uh, that's without the aid of a repeater. And usually those operators have good home systems with a good antenna, and they can talk back to us. So that'll be a test of the local, uh, what we call the CARFA net. That's the net that we use for uh, the rural fire departments. And so they can also listen on two meters, um, and they can just look around there. But uh, there will be an announcement at 4 o'clock on the repeater. So if you are a certified ham, you know what I'm talking about and already know where the repeater is. Um, you, uh, There was another question in there, and I, I it was the first question. It had to do with the cards. When I was a young teenager back last century, um, the elderly gentleman who was operating a ham radio with tubes um, was very proud of his collection of cards from all over the world with different people's call signals on. And these are people he had contacted on the radio, and then they exchanged cards through the mail. Does that still go on? Absolutely. Uh, those are called QSL cards. Uh, after you've made a contact, uh, and all you get is their, their call sign and their first name. Um, you can look up that call sign and find out what their address is, send them a card with the signature and that you made this communication at this time and on this, this bandwidth and, and frequency, and you send them a card. Uh, certified hams that are going to listen in on, on two meters uh, simplex, uh, if they come to the meeting, they will receive a QSL card uh, hand signed by uh, Dr. Jim, our, our current president, um, and it's the uh, uh, W3XO uh, local ham club uh, card. W3XO, by the way, was um, the call sign of a of an early pioneer here in Kerrville who who did some astounding work with microwave. And so after he passed away, we um, uh, we adopted his call sign as our club call sign. I wanted to also give you some information about. Um, some historical stuff. In 1932, there was a huge flood right here in Kerrville, wiped out most of what was the downtown area down by the river. And uh, a gentleman named uh, Gene Butt, who was the grandson of the founder of HEB, he and two other ham operators sat at the radios for three days, um, sending out co uh, information and contacts and radiograms um, all over the United States to people who were either letting their family know they needed help or letting their family know that they were okay, plus communicating with uh, emergency services. And in 1932, that was pretty primitive, down in San Antonio, who had absolutely no idea that this had occurred for about 10 or 12 hours until the uh, radio signal started getting down there and word was passed. And um, they operated for three days, and, and uh, the, the articles in, in the local paper were just effusive about uh, – what a uh, noble uh, thing they did and, and how hard they worked and how much communication was was delivered and how fast it was able to round up uh, assistance to the community. And that, uh, that takes us all the way back to the concept of emergency services. There's a People are concerned nowadays, especially uh, people who are, are taking more and more notice of, of uh, emergency preparation, that um, communication is going to be critical. And they want to know how they can how they can not be a victim, how they can not be part of the problem. And then, and by learning radio and becoming a part of the system, you become part of the 
the solution to the problem. And you, that quote from Ben Franklin is absolutely apropos to this. You can either sit there and, and wait for somebody to come rescue who may not come, or you can be part of the solution. You've already got all your stuff together. You've got warm clothing, and you've got a radio, and you're communicating with people, passing messages from your neighborhood, advising the fire department through that network that uh, somebody's having an emergency or there's a fire over here, or that that, that neighborhood is fine and you're just standing by. Um, that's that's an important issue, and that's an important concern. We all work on that every single day. Hank, uh, I want to thank you so much. I've kept you longer than I told you that I asked you for, and um, I, I'm, I'm more encouraged now to go out and finish getting my license, and I believe your message was so clear and simple today that I think we're going to have more people uh, 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 checking out this idea and, and checking in with the Hill Country Amateur Radio Club. And, uh, Hank, uh, thank you again very much for calling in. Uh, I'm very grateful that you had us on the air. Uh, Saturday, 27th of January, between 2 and 5 p.m., the public is invited to come to the Ham Shack at Riverstar Arts Park. Thank you so much for having us, Matt. Absolutely. All right, folks, uh, there you go. You heard it straight from uh, Hank Ortega, and uh, this is uh, interesting. I met Hank at the Bat Cave. Yep, that's where I met Hank, at the Bat Cave there at the old tunnel. Um, and uh, I had, let's see, who was visiting? Oh, my nephew and his girlfriend were visiting, and so we went down to watch the bats come out. And uh, there was Hank Ortega, and he had some family members there that he had brought down to watch the bats fly out. And he had his proudly wearing his ham radio sh shirt, and uh, we started a conversation. And my wife will tell you I'm, I never meet a stranger. And so now, um, among my circle of friends, I welcome Hank Ortega and the Hill Country Amateur Radio Club. Folks, y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're an activist. In an effort to alleviate the effects of the anyone, anyone. And your host. Anyone. Matt Long on the Hill Country Patriot. Anyone. Right. Thank you so much for staying tuned, and um, so glad to be with you here this morning. I'm going to have to um, push off an article um, on. Uh, yeah, I did a lot of work on a story yesterday, uh, yesterday afternoon that I was going to bring to you today. I'm going to save it for. Yeah, I'm going to have to save it for a couple of days. I have guests in tomorrow. Um, but, uh, I do want to give you an update on the Shelby Park standoff. And I just went to, and if you don't know what the Shelby Park standoff is, we're in day three. And yes, I'm going to number it, uh, just like we did the, uh, the hostages, uh, during, uh, uh, during, man, during Carter. Um, and, uh, so yes, this is day three of the standoff. What is that? The Texas decided to take control of Shelby Park in, in Eagle Pass. Uh, that is one of the easiest places for people to cross over. And I just glanced at this morning, early this morning, I glanced at a graphic that showed that 55% of the border crossers 
into the all this is california arizona new mexico and texas 55 percent of them were going through eagle pass now i did not dig into that number i'm not going to speak to the validity of it i just saw the graph and then i just it's like okay i got a lot of things to look at but uh, interesting graph if that is true if that is true and 55 percent of the illegal crossings are happening at eagle pass and Shelby Park is the easiest place in along in in Eagle Pass, uh, the clearest place and the easiest place to get across. Then us closing it down it makes a huge, huge difference. And people will say, "Well, yeah, they're just going down further. They're going to go down further or go up further." Great, let them do that. Go down further. Go up further. Go up further. That is not our problem. All right, um, and so what is the standoff? The standoff is Texas said uh, we are no longer going to allow the federal government in here. Uh, the letter from Governor Abbott from yesterday, I have it in my hands here. I guess we could do the uh, the um, Rush Limbaugh thing. Um, but uh, he wrote the strongly, strongly worded letter to the president. Um, actually, it's an open letter. Um, it is not to the president. It is an open letter. It is a, we talked about this yesterday, it's a circular letter because it was designed to circulate, not because it's round. A circulator, a circular letter um, or a public posting or a, uh, that's an open letter we talked to today. And he basically goes through what uh, we have been saying for now three years, and I say we and everybody on the Every constitutional Republican has been saying the same thing. We can read both the we can read the U.S. Constitution. We can read it. It's it's not written in Mandarin, as Chris Ann Hall says. We don't need to pay someone to interpret it. It's real easy. And we've been using this Article Four, Paragraph Four which says that the federal government, and I said paragraph 4, Article 4, Section 4, promises uh, that the federal government, quote, shall protect each state against invasion. And then Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, acknowledges that the state's sovereign interest in protecting their own borders and was decided um, in Arizona v. United States, so it, by failure of the Biden administration to fulfill the d- duties imposed by Article 4, Section 4, it has triggered Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. And uh, that's to invoke Texas constitutional authority to defend and protect itself. Um, one of the interesting things I read in here, because I, I wasn't even sure if it was real, um, well, it just didn't make sense. Um, but one of the things that he wrote in that letter was that he had already called, declared an invasion. And I, I, I had to go back. Um, I, he declared an invasion over two years ago. I don't know why I didn't know that, but he declared it an invasion over two years ago. Um, folks, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll be right back. He's 100% Texan. Matt Log on the Hill Country Patriot. <clears throat> All 
right, Uncle Ted, bringing us in. I'm going to get a little bit into this story and may not go into all the details, but I ran across the story yesterday in uh, the Texan, and it was talking about uh, the fact that uh, the schools uh, in Texas are going to um, be losing quite a bit of Medicaid funding in the next school year. And that is, if you look at the title, uh, you would look at the title of the story. It says, Texas School District Set to Lose Over $300 million in Medicaid Funding Next School Year. And so you may think, you may believe that, um, you may think that uh, this is a story about school districts set to lose over $300 million because that's what the title says. I'm going to tell you that the story in this case, to me, is not the story. And I want you to see if you can follow along with me. Um, by the way, if you go and try and read that article on the Texan, um, it took me it took me thirty minutes taking notes and going back and forth and looking up things to figure out what this story was saying. And it's not so much that it was poorly written. I do not know Seth Moorhead. I know the people at the Texan dot news really well. Um, but I do not know Seth Moorhead who wrote this. This is not a criticism of Seth, all right? But this is such a convoluted story that I it took me a long time to get through it. And um, so what I want to tell you as I go through this story, I want you to listen carefully. The story is not the story, all right? I'm going to tell you a little bit of it, and then I'm going to explain myself. So here's what the deal is. School districts have – there is a program. Um, a state program called SHARS. Um, it is called SHARS. It is the School Health and Related Services Program, SHARS, okay? Now, that's a state uh, uh, organization uh, program that is administered by HHS, all right? Texas Health and Human Services. So they're administered by HHS. Now, what does SHARS do? SHARS, they allow individual school districts to request a federal reimbursement for Medicaid-related special needs health services. So I'm going to, since it gets complicated, I'm going to keep trailing it backwards. SHARS is a program um, uh, run by Texas Health and Human Services that gives schools the ability to request federal aid, all right, for Medicaid special needs. Those are things like physical therapy, nursing service, occupational therapy, behavioral therapy, and special educated, special education related services, all right? So if a school needs to provide nursing services or physical therapy for a student um, in uh, related to special needs, then they go to the SHARS program, and then SHARS, which is uh, run by Texas uh, Health and Human Services, then goes to the federal government and says, can this school district have this money through SHARS? That's how it works. Now, I'm familiar with HHS because someone very near and dear to me has been dealing with HHS for her entire career. All right. One of the things HHS does and one of the things that Medicaid and Medicare and these federal things do, they do what we would like for them to do. They go in occasionally to these places um, that are taking the money and they do an audit. 
it's what we want, right? We want them to audit, all right? And so the um, uh, uh, the federal government came in and audited audited this um, this program, SHARS, all right? And they found out that they were just not following the rules. They weren't filling out the forms properly. The uh, coded random moments incorrectly. Basically, that's they they didn't do their random moments things. Uh, my wife calls them uh, Max. Um, some of you may st- be familiar with Max. Uh, they called it random moment time studies. And along with other paperwork, folks, this is all it is. It's filling out paperwork so that you can prove that you should exist and that you should keep getting the money. Well, they failed this. Shar's program failed this. Now, here's where we get to where the story is not the story. So they failed this. In fact, uh, HHS came in. And listen, I see this happen all the time with my wife. They'll say, um, she'll uh, call me someday and, and say, oh, we're having an audit tomorrow. I have to go to San Antonio. So that, they give them a day's advance notice, sometimes more. And they go down there, and you better have all your ducks in a row because what happens when they audit you, if it's something really simple that can be taken care of immediately right there in the office, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, we had that file. It's over here then generally, sometimes they will give you the opportunity to fix it. Um, if you can't fix it right away and they're not happy with that, they can claw back money they have already given you. They can claw back money already given you. Now, the expert I know on HHS says they can audit you for things that go back several years. And if you got it wrong several years ago and they're auditing you now, you may have spent all that money and then some, but they're going to want it back. They're going to claw it back. So here's where this story becomes not the story. This audit took place six years ago. Oh, I'm sorry, seven years ago. The Office of Inspector General in 2017, conducted an audit of the uh, Medicaid reimbursements for SHARS for the student health student. I have to keep going back up. See what I told you? Uh, student health, uh, school health and related services program. They did an audit seven years ago. HHS did not like the audit. In fact, the result of the audit was um, you didn't do all of this right. You owe us $19 million, and you need, to, um, uh, you need to turn from your evil ways is basically what uh, the, uh, med- the federal government said. They audited them in 2017 and said, look, turn, turn away from your evil ways. Stop doing the thing, or start doing the things you're supposed to do. But we're taking back $19 million right now. And um, HHS in Texas decided <clears throat> we're going to fight that back. Here's another story. Here's another reason the story is not the story. It took six years for that appeal to the judgment. Six years. They appealed it. HHS said, we don't agree with your findings. We're going to appeal your findings. Six years later, they get the findings. 
You know what the findings are? The findings are, nope, you were wrong, and now that number is, uh, we're gonna, it's going to cost you about $300 million. You heard that right. They could have settled this seven years ago, $19 million, changed their ways. They fought it. They fought it. And now, and now it comes back six years. How many lawyers? How many people? How much time? How much paperwork? Six years for this appeal. And now the total damages are $300 million, not $900 million. And I printed off the impact it's going to have here in the Hill Country, and I can't find it now, so I'm going to go by memory. It's going to cost, in this next fiscal school year, um, Fredericksburg Independent School District is going to receive more than, or is going to receive $300,000 less than they thought they were going to. In Kerrville, Kerrville Independent School District, this next year, they are going to receive something like $200,000 less than they thought they were going to receive. It's a big impact, but to me, the story's not the story. It's not about these schools losing money. It's about this huge, massive government and bureaucracy that just does nothing but get bigger and worse at its job, but continually asks for more money. And we just keep saying, okay, we'll give you more money. All right. Can't get away from here without uh, getting my scripture in today. Um, opened up my Bible uh, yesterday evening and uh, did the old flip it open and see what happens. And it opened right up to chapter one of Jeremiah. This is one uh, a verse that I know all of our pro-life people. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. So now Jeremiah is a prophet to the nations. And uh, then Jeremiah says, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to Jeremiah, Do not say I am a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord stretched out his hand and he touched Jeremiah. He touched his mouth. And the Lord said to Jeremiah, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Um, powerful, powerful message. And I just kind of see when, um, I wonder how old, uh, um, uh, Jeremiah was. All right. When he says he's a youth and you figure, I don't know, people in biblical times, did they live past? I don't know. What was their average lifespan? Probably somewhere in the forties. Um, and so I just wonder, um, when Jeremiah says he was but a youth, was he 15? Was he 25? I think in biblical times, him being a youth would have probably put him in his teens. And uh, But I don't know. Maybe someone out there knows how old Jeremiah was. But can you imagine being told that? Wow. 
powerful. I pray every morning for the Lord to put words in my mouth. And um, I thank him every day on the way home for doing so. Y'all stay tuned for Lorraine, and may the Lord put words in her mouth as well.